Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, we're back. We're back from our little 4th of July weekend break. This will be our last before Bucks training camp. Only 15 days before the Veterans Report. Hard to believe. Hey, our thanks to Matt Baker, who broke down Florida State's financial woes and athletic department, how that might affect Willie Taggart. And Ed Werder, the longtime NFL insider from ESPN. We got a lot of great responses on our two-part interview with him. Uh, talked about, of course, our one year covering the Bucks together and then his time uh, covering the Cowboys, of course, for ESPN, the Dallas Morning News, and a very personal story about how cancer has impacted his family. I'll tell you, you will never drive by a hospital again without thinking about some of the people inside. And, um, my, again, Ed was very open and honest about that, and we appreciate his time. But we are back now, and uh, what did we miss? Well, not a whole lot, but uh, the Rays did wrap up their first part of the season, and they headed in the all-star break with a split of their series over the Yankees, winning the final two games. But will they reach the postseason without some help from the bullpen, particularly for the final three outs? We'll discuss that. And Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred has said the Rays' plan to split their season in Montreal is, quote, an attempt to preserve baseball in Tampa Bay. But he stopped short of saying it's their last or only chance. We'll talk about Mark Topkin's story from Cleveland in the All-Star game. Speaking of All-Stars, the Mets' Pete Alonso from Tampa Plant wins the home run derby in what may have been the best one ever, some are saying, but not for Alonso's heroics. The battle in the second round between Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Jock Peterson, that one went to, what, three overtimes? Guerrero won it with 40, 40 home runs. And the U.S. women's soccer team won the World Cup 2 to nothing, of course, over the Netherlands, but the controversy continues, even though they've been wildly uh, more successful in winning four gold cups and for Olympic goals, they earn only 38 cents for every dollar that the member of the men's team earned. John Romano had a great column. We'll discuss that as well. We've got all that, and as I said, we're, Bucks training camp is just around the corner to talk about on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, is scalloping on your bucket list? If so, you can do that with Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River. Now, scallop season is going to run through September 24th in Citrus County. It's the ultimate family bonding experience you can book your scallop tours now and if you wish to adventure on your own or have a party larger than six you'll find a great selection of eight passenger pontoons available for rent during the scallop season now with the rental you get a gps a dive flag an anchor and all the required safety equipment and a detailed map for your convenience the rental does not include a saltwater fishing license however book online now and get ready for some scalloping fun book online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or call 352-571-1888. All right, Steve, a lot happened while we were uh, on vacation. Of course, over the weekend, the Rays wrapped up their series against the Yankees, and uh, they did it with winning the final two games to get the split of that season. They needed that because the Yankees have owned them this year. And in that series, the first two games, it didn't seem to matter what they did. They went into extra innings, whether they came back, had the lead, a couple blown saves, of course, but they did battle back and win the final two games, and that's got to a little bit of a lift, uh, but I tell you one thing that's painfully obvious, and it has been for some time. And we said this a little bit, I think, at the beginning of the season was 
Could the Rays go very far with their bullpen as the way it was constructed, particularly in the late innings, you know, particularly trying to nail down those final three outs? And it's clear, Steve, if they don't do something uh, to help them in the bullpen, it's going to be hard for this team, I think, to even make a wild card. Well, I, I think we're seeing that, you know, in the first part of the season, they were playing a lot of teams that weren't very good. And, and maybe we thought some of those teams were going to be better than they were. Um, you know, they obviously have some good hitters, but when they're going up against the likes of the Yankees, the Indians, uh, you know, you name the Astros, you name some of those teams. Now, granted, they took three or four of the Astros, but that was the first series of the season. But when they're going up against those lineups that are stacked top to bottom, their bullpen is not good enough at, at the way it's constructed now. I mean, Jose Alvarado, Diego Castillo, Emilio Pagan is starting to show some, you know, where he's given up some runs now. They need more arms back there. They they need some help badly back there. And you hope that the Rays are going to make moves sooner than later. I mean, the trade deadline's coming up in three weeks, but you're, you know, if you're the Rays, you're hoping let's get some arms now. I mean, you know, you like Brendan McKay's a big help and, and you know, he's going to be called back up again for the doubleheader on Saturday as another arm. He's not necessarily a bullpen arm, but the more good arms they have to eat up more innings, the better off they're going to be. Yeah, and I mean, Alvarado, of course, has been unreliable in, in terms of, you know, he had the situation where he had to go back to Venezuela for a personal situation. Now he has an oblique pain that uh, Mark Tompkins says will keep him out about six weeks. Um, so right off the bat, they don't even have use of him. And you, you've already chronicled Diego Castillo's problems. Now really they're down to Emilio Pagan, who closed out that game on Sunday, did a nice job that way. But I'm not sure between him and maybe Kittrich, they really don't, the way they're constructed, they don't have any experience. At stage of the year, you're going to have to have somebody that's, that's gotten the last three outs before. Uh, you know, and so it's, it's not something that's new. They, they've known for a while, I think, that, that the bullpen in late innings was going to be a story. And it certainly has been. Now they've come through what was a pretty rough June now they're into July. They'll get the rest, uh, maybe get some guys back healthy after the All-Star break, some position players. Um, but I just, I just don't think they can, they can get this done. Particularly, I mean, the Yankees are, are you know, so much better, I think, than the Rays overall. And, of course, they've dominated the series. And so, really, you're talking about trying to stay ahead of teams like, you know, like Boston, uh, Cleveland, the Oakland A's, that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, they're going to have to have a better second half and certainly, uh, you know, Again, starting pitching has, has held its own. I mean, Blake Snell has to come back and have a better second half. There's no doubt about that. But it's going to be about the bullpen. I, that's really what it comes down to. Because they're not going to – Steve, you know this. They're not going to score so many runs that – because they're going to be in so many close games, um, that ninth inning is, is as big for the Rays as it is any team in baseball. This team has – when they've been successful throughout history, it's been built on pitching and defense. And the defense has been – not quite where you'd expect it this season, but I think it's it's improved overall compared to where it started the season. But the pitching is so important, and starting pitching's been good. It's those last couple innings, particularly the ninth inning right now, that you know they can't seem to get out of their own way in the bullpen. Right, and I would not have bet that the Rays could have won that game on Sunday 2-1. to one. I mean, Charlie Morton, of course, where would they be without him? They're all-star. Uh, you know, 10-2 and two at the break. Uh, I think he had the lowest ERA in, in the American League at the time. And so... You know, he, he has been their, their most valuable pitcher, their ace of the staff. And, and this is what, of course, they could have only hoped for when they signed him, you know, to that $15 million a year contract. Uh, makes the all-star team for the second straight season. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, that, that the starting pitching has what's carried this team. Um, and, of course, they've, they've had their openers. They've had success doing that for the most part. Um, and now they got the kid running up and back and forth from, 
from Durham, and they're going to need him soon because, you know, they come back and they, they play a bunch of games right off the bat again with the Yankees. Yeah, McKay will be up for that doubleheader on Saturday. It'll be his third major league start. Um, you know, I'm impressed with what I've seen from him and his presence on the mound. Obviously, you know, gave up a couple more runs to the Yankees than he did in his first start. But, you know, against that lineup, not unexpected. But I still thought he pitched pretty well in that game. I also think they're going to have to get more ups and they're going to have to get more out of Austin Meadows, who just had a horrific June. I think he hit around 202 or 200, somewhere down there, of course, after at one point uh, leading the American League and hitting. He is an all-star. That bat has to come alive again. So we'll see what the Rays do uh, in a position, at least uh, as far as making a wild card. And, you know, sitting about, what, six and a half games behind the Yankees, not impossible, but the way that New York team is playing and getting guys back still, they seem to be uh, headed for another historic season. That's sort of been what's happened to the Rays the last couple of years. I mean, last year it was the Yankees and the Red Sox with over 100 wins. 90 wins didn't even get them into the postseason. And now, you know, if you look at it, Overall, you know, would they have taken the kind of record they have at the All-Star break? Absolutely. Uh, but it's still not enough to run down the Yankees at this point. So a wild card looks like it'll be their best bet. But it's a long year, and you never know exactly what's going to happen. Speaking of All-Stars in the All-Star game, uh, what do you think? Let's start first with, uh, with the Home Run Derby. What do you make of, of this year's uh, contest? Most, most uh, hitters in that thing were 25 years or younger. Yeah, and that second-round matchup with Guerrero Jr. and Jock Peterson was incredible. You know, the Home Run Derby, I think, in, in, in a way, it's kind of like the slam dunk contest. I think it's, it, it's exciting, it's fun, it's kind of run its course, but this is the most exciting one I've seen in years. Um, and, and, you know, and, and Pete Alonzo, every time you kept writing him off thinking, oh, he's gotten off to a slow start, slow start, he kept coming on and, and getting just enough home runs to advance every time and then obviously win it in the end. So impressed with Vladimir Guerrero and, and the show that him and Jock Peterson put on. I mean, imagine hitting 39 home runs. That wasn't enough to do it. Guerrero hit 40 in the second round. Um, no wonder he was probably a little worn down and, and uh, only hit like 21, I think, in the final round. Um, but I was so impressed with Pete Alonzo. And, you know, this kid's from Tampa Plan, of course, went to the University of Florida, drafted in the second round. Um, pretty much his whole career, people had sort of doubted him. All he does is hit 30 bombs in the first half of the season as a rookie. I mean, this guy has been electric, and, and you know, hearing the poise that he had during the interviews and the things, uh, you know, during the, uh, the event were really impressive, and, you know, he, he, he only is going to make about, when I say only, uh, to you and me, it's a lot of money, but I think he's under $600,000 this year, and, you know, that contest won him a million dollars, but he donated really 10% of it to charity, including the, the Wounded Warriors, so... You know, he's a guy with, uh, with a good head on his shoulders, and, of course, he's beloved by Mets fans. Uh, and I, I just thought it was, uh, it was a good breakout, you know, for a Tampa kid uh, on that stage. And, and he was pumped. You know, he wanted to win the thing. He came in saying he wanted to compete and he wanted to win. And, by gosh, he found a way to do that. So that, that was very impressive. Finally, Mark Tompkin had a story in the Tampa Bay Times today. Of course, he's covering the All-Star game in Cleveland and had a chance to talk to uh, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred, who, who discussed, you know, the Rays' plan and to split their season both in Tampa Bay and Montreal. As I mentioned a minute ago, he called it, quote, an attempt to preserve baseball in Tampa Bay. Uh, but I thought it was important that, that Manfred didn't say it was the last chance or the only chance. You know, I think there's been some rhetoric uh, from Stuart Sternberg that, you know, they've sort of backed themselves into a corner, maybe intentionally, I don't know. 
uh, saying that they really now don't believe that you know more than 40, 41 games or so would really uh, be viable, whether it was in Hillsboro or in St. Petersburg with respect to, uh, uh, to supporting you know, their team for more than half a season. So I don't know that baseball is quite as locked down as that. And I, and I think that they've kind of given Sternberg you know, an opportunity to, uh, you know, to back out of that if necessary. I mean, it's clear to me that they still think a lot of this Tampa Bay market, they will be here, uh, but enough so that they're willing to, to possibly you know, throw away a, p- a potential expansion city like Montreal in order to keep baseball in Tampa Bay. So they're going to let this run its course. I don't know. Even Manfred didn't know whether this was really a viable thing or not, but they are taking it seriously. And still think that I think it was, if you're, and you go away from this with a little bit of hope that, okay, maybe it's not Montreal or bust. I think Manfred's playing his role is that look, Stu Sternberg came out and said, look, it's not going to work here for 81 games. It's going to be 41, but baseball doesn't want to shut that door. Because the one thing you don't want to have happen in this is they don't get a deal with Montreal, whether it's the Players Association who is saying, hey, we have lots of info we need. We have lots of questions and lots of things to work out before we even consider this a viable option. Or Montreal can't come up with the stadium, et cetera, et cetera. You don't want to lock yourself out of this market. I mean, I've said all along, this is the 12th biggest television market, and it's growing fast. Baseball does not want to leave this market. Now, do they think it can work here 81 games? Stu Sternberg doesn't. I don't know what baseball thinks, but I don't think they want to leave this market completely when television revenues are so important to teams that Manfred's got to, you know, as we've often said, the, the, hard, the weird part about, and we talked about this, was Stu Sternberg's press conference was that he flat out said it doesn't work here. Now, if you're trying to sell this plan, you can't, you kind of have to say that because you can't give yourself an out of, well, here's our plan, but it could still work here full time. Because th- then you've, you've kind of undercut sure. your own plan. So at this point, it's got to be Manfred that can walk it back. And he's not walking it back, but leaving that door open slightly. That Because they don't know what, the, you know, this plan to the Montreal could go south a lot of different ways from whether it's Tampa side, Montreal side, whether it's the player's side. You know, there's so many pieces of this that have to come together for this plan to even have a chance at working long term. And, and who knows how that's going to play out. So you don't want to completely alienate your current market and say it absolutely can't work here. You know, but Stu Sternberg's got to push forward because this is the plan he wants. So he has to push forward and say, I don't think it can work here. This is what I'm doing. Baseball can say, well, this is this is a plan to preserve baseball in Tampa Bay, but we're not saying it can't work there. Isn't it interesting? And I, and I guess, you know, you can account for this in many ways. First of all, the $2 tickets during the Baltimore series and then the Yankees being there with the split crowds that they draw. But what, for six straight dates to go into the All-Star break, the Rays drew 20,000-plus a game? It was seven straight days. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, there, there, again, there's a lot of variables for that, and we've seen the, you know, the split allegiances with the Yankees and Red Sox draw big crowds. Um, of course, there's a function of price involved with the other tickets against Baltimore that normally would not be a series many people would attend. But the interest is there. We've always known the interest is there with the Rays. You know that with the television ratings. It's just a question. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can they get people to continue to come out and support this team? And that has not been the case now for a number of years, even in this season that they're having now, they're still going to finish last or near last in attendance. So, uh, but it was, you know, it, it was those were exciting ballparks. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether even even in those Yankees race series, I mean, you have a lot of energy in the ballpark. Um, you know, it played well on TV when you watched it. You could tell that the fans were into it. Uh, of course, the walk off, uh, you know, home run on Saturday night was was a, a big moment in the season for the Rays. And who knows, you know, there is they do need an All Star break. They do need a break. This team played a lot of games in in very few days. Really didn't have but one day off for a long time and. Um, you know, they'll get some guys back healthy, but if momentum can carry over, I think they gained a little bit there at the end of that series and probably, you know, told, you know, convinced themselves they can beat the Yankees, which was something that didn't look like they were going to be able to do this season, uh, if only for two games. So uh, we'll see how they start the second half, but, uh, but I thought that was interesting. The big crowds at the Trop, uh, and I was, uh, I was in Chicago, so I was able to watch the game, you know, sort of on TBS one, one day, like at the Sunday's game, I believe. And, and it, it, it played well, you know, even from a distance. You could tell that the crowd was into it. And that's usually the case with 20,000 there. But it, it, uh, it looked and sounded like a Major League Baseball game, which is uh, something that the Rays desperately needed. Okay, so the big story, of course, over the weekend uh, that we missed while we were on a break was the U.S. women's soccer team winning the World Cup uh, with their 2 to nothing win over the Netherlands. First of all, what did you make, Steve, of, of just, you know, this team has been um, – Criticized, I guess, is is the word going back, of course, to the 13 goals and the celebrations they had against Thailand. The overall thing is that it, they were very confident and had every right to be uh, border bordering on on arrogance, I suppose. Some people would say, um, but it's one of the greatest teams in history. Uh, may go down as one of the best in history of sport, quite frankly, um, for their dominance in in women's soccer and in the World Cup. But what did you make, first of all, of the criticism, some of the criticism they received for whether it was the celebrations from Alex Morgan sipping tea and so on? Did you think it was top? I thought it was absolutely ridiculous that they're getting criticized for that. I mean, what's the difference of you name the NFL player doing a dance, a celebration? Uh, you know, I don't have a problem with baseball bat flips and that, you know, you're, as long as you're not showing up the other team. Right. I mean, OK, so maybe you're going to say the tea thing because of England, but. I, to be honest, I thought it was funny. And, you know, she said it was a Game of Thrones reference, and I don't watch the show, so I don't know that part of it. But wh- what's right. wh- why do we criticize someone celebrating, particularly in a World Cup, which happens once every four years, is the biggest sporting event of your life, and you celebrate, you got a goal. What You should be celebrating and happy. I don't understand why people can't allow people to, to enjoy. I mean, this is a game. This is You're supposed to enjoy sports. Now, you know, if you're going to you know, bat flip and then stare down the pitcher and watch him the whole way around. Okay, that's a little different. That's trying to show up your opponent. If you just hit a, a walk-off home run and bat flipped, who cares? You should be celebrating and happy. I don't understand, I don't understand the criticism of celebrations that are based around you, you know, excited about a big moment and celebrating with your teammates. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I thought it was over the top. And I also think there's a, a little bit of sexism in well because I've seen men – celebrate as you just mentioned not just in baseball or football but certainly in soccer too internationally and otherwise um and i think there was a little bit of that so 
there may be some of that in there, but the men get criticized a lot too. I mean, maybe the women got criticized more and that's, uh, I guess, a subjective, you know, determination there. But, you know, how many times did Terrell Owens get ridiculed for his celebrations or whatever else? I mean, you hear that all the time in the NFL. Well, you do in the NFL, and and, and but I think I think it's more, I don't know. Look, I... I think from start to finish that that, uh, that this team was one of the most confident and dominating teams I've ever seen in sport, and I think that's why people love them, particularly in the United States, and it's undeniable around the world. This is their fourth World Cup. They have four, uh, you know, Olympic titles as well, and so, you know, it, it's very hard, uh, you know, to not uh, accept their place in the sport. I mean, they are at the top, and deservedly so. And so, you know, they knew what they had. They, they were very confident. They were a close-knit bunch. And they enjoyed playing together, and they were very, very good. And I, I think when you're, you know, when you know you're the best team and you go out there and prove it uh, day after day and game after game, then, you know, people, people might consider some of that arrogance. But that, be as, be as it may, John Romano had a column. I wanted to get to sort of discuss this a little bit because I, I think it's interesting that sort of the juxtaposition between men's and women's soccer um, – Overall, I think what the women have done is great for the sport of soccer in the United States. Um, you know, and the men have, have certainly not come close to achieving uh, the same thing uh, in terms of the four World Cups and the four Olympic goals. The men have won neither. Heck, for that matter, they haven't even qualified for the last two Olympic Games. Uh, so all that said, the controversy that uh, is still being discussed, and John Romano wrote about this in the Tampa Bay Times, is that uh, basically, they get paid about 38 cents for every dollar of their male counterparts. And I just, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how that can continue with the fact that they, the women's team has generated more money than the men's team from 2016 to 2018. So they're more popular and they're more profitable, and yet their paychecks are less than half the size. Well, I think that's the biggest key to it is that you know, I think for years they made less than the men's team, even though they were more successful, because the men's team still brought in more money. And at the end of the day, I mean, we could talk mm-hmm. about the soccer federation being whatever. It's a business. I mean, that's college football is a business. Same thing. Right. You know, the football gets all the resources in, in colleges because that's what brings in most of the money. The soccer federation, same way. If the women's team is bringing in more money than the men, then, then that is ridiculous. That 38 cents on the dollar and they're bringing in more money. I mean, and not to say it should be treated purely as a business, but any argument you have for them making that little compared to the men goes out the window when that happens. It really does. I think that's, that's the thing that pushes it over, uh, over the, because it is a business and pay scales are usually based on, on revenues and profits as, as John mentions in his column. Um, so go back and read that in the Tampa Bay times. But um, you know, I think their popularity is, you know, the, the ratings will tell you they're, they're at least as popular, right, if not more so. And, you know, I think the jersey sales are the same. What they've done on the, on the, on the pitch, you know, speaks for itself. So that's, you know, there, there's really no reason at this point. I think they have a good case. Again, I, you know, there were, there, were, there were reasons maybe that in the past this wasn't the case. I, I just think that they have eclipsed uh, – uh, any logic to to not earn as much and and so that was a big deal but it was it was exciting i'm I'm telling you the brand of soccer was 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 very very good uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it my family enjoyed it we all watched it together um, it wasn't just the the patriotism but it was actually enjoying soccer and I think 
you know, the other thing is, is that, like I said, this lifts the entire game, whether you're male or female. I was sitting with my nephew who plays soccer. He couldn't have been more excited to watch the women play Mm -hmm. uh, because he's a soccer fan. And so anything to promote the game in this country um, promote, you know, runs across genders, you know, it really does. And so, uh, and I witnessed that, you know, just, just sitting there watching it on Sunday and the juxtaposition also that that happened on, on the same day in Chicago at Soldier Field the men's team was playing Mexico in the Gold Cup final. Um, and it was well attended, obviously, and, and I don't know what the TV ratings wound up being, uh, but, of course, Mexico won. Um, but it was, a, it was a huge day of soccer. But to me, in, in my little orbit, there was just as much or more interest in the women, of course, being in, in the World Cup final as there was for the men that were playing that same night. Well, just watch the men's team. And, and I know you're not as big of a soccer fan, as I, and I'm, I'm growing into one. You know, the men's team is young right now. A new coach, they're you know changing things up a lot, but just watch their style of play. They're not nearly as good as the women's team, you know, in, in relative to their competition. I mean, you know, they actually controlled the game in the first half against Mexico in that Gold Cup final, um, missed several opportunities to score, and then Mexico dominated them in the second half. I mean, it wasn't even a close game in the second half. It was amazing the U.S. only gave up one goal, really, and that you know the the men's team right now on the world stage is not in that upper echelon and. You know, it goes back to they didn't make the World Cup last year. I mean, you know, the women's team, you know, is getting paid 38 cents on the dollar, and the men's team can't even make the World Cup. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, on the field or, or any other way you want to measure it, it just uh, it hasn't lived up to it. And, and, again, we'll see if the men can, can elevate their game and at least qualify for the Gold Cup and, and all that, that sort of thing in the future. But um, it was it was a great weekend of soccer. It was it was it was fun to watch, and, and, and the city up here was was electric because of that game uh, that was at Soldier Field. So uh, all of that made for uh, made for a great weekend. Okay, finally on this, uh, did you follow all the comings and goings in the NBA free agency? Uh, it looks like everybody is going to go to the uh, Western Conference. It appears, uh, it, with the exception, of course, instead of as you mentioned uh, in the before we got on the podcast. Instead of the, the Lakers and the Knicks, it turns out that it's the New York Nets and the L.A. Clippers that uh, got all the free agents or the ones that uh, everybody had talked about. With Kawhi Leonard, of course, uh, going to the L.A. Clippers and, and then them trading for Paul George in Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, you know, they can turn out the lights there when Russell Westbrook uh, ends up getting dealt as well. I think there's some discussion about that. Uh, they, they got a big haul of free of you know draft picks from them. And then, and then you had... Uh, uh, what uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving going to the New York Nets along with DeAndre Jordan. So we'll see how soon now Durant will probably miss the year. Um, but that is, that is quite a seismic shift of, of power in the NBA uh, and none of it going to the Knicks or to the LA Lakers. Although, I mean, you have to admit that the Lakers are in fairly good shape regardless because they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's admit it now that the NBA off season is more exciting than the NBA regular season. <laughs> it is. I mean, it truly right. is. And, and I mean, the the NBA playoffs are exciting, but the NBA offseason better than the regular season at this point. I mean, every year it's it's mass movement of players, uh, and it's you know for the players it's empowering. I mean, they're you know they form these you know super teams, and you know apparently Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George have wanted to play together for a while, and you know it, as long as the Clippers could get Paul George, then Kawhi Leonard was going there, and you know it, it's. You know, if if you if you like the players and you think players should have power because they're as good as they are and they're the stars and everything else, the NBA is the ultimate league for that. 
the NFL is the antithesis well, it, to that. Yeah, for a while the NFL free agency was was all the rage, but it's controlled. Now, uh, I mean, less. I guess. I guess the stars have some say. Obviously, they they sign mm-hmm. the big contracts, and and you know, but very. What happens is very few of the superstars make it to free agency in the NFL because they have a franchise player. If you had a franchise player in the NBA, these guys obviously they wouldn't be able to leave and form form you know the the way they do. Well, again, I, I go back to, you know, it used to be the teams could dictate this where there wasn't the movement of free agency. But you always, you know, the great teams always had great players. You know, we go back to Larry Bird playing with Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale, you know, Magic Johnson and Showtime, or, you know, they had, had mm-hmm. Kareem and James Worthy. So um, now you have them forming their own super, super teams, and that's interesting. But you're right. The offseason in the NBA is crazy, uh, and it, uh, it is run by the stars. And you can pretty much pencil in, you know, those teams that uh, that garnered those free agents as being contenders year after year after year. Although Golden State losing Kevin Durant will hurt, um, but they'll still be right back in the mix. But uh, like I said, the Western Conference is going to be crazy. Houston is still very good. So there's all kinds of intrigue that will happen with the NBA. But uh, it was it was fascinating to see those alliances form. And I think everybody was kind of surprised by the Clippers. I mean, I did not see a lot of reports, even Stephen A., didn't necessarily see that coming with uh, Kawhi Leonard. And so uh, the trade with Paul George, who still had two years left in Oklahoma City, what are they doing? They might as well tell Russell Westbrook and give him a break and let him go someplace. Well, they've been talking to him, and he's a, he's agreeing to or you know open to being traded. So most likely he will be traded. But, I mean, Golden State's no longer the favorite in the West. I mean, they lost Kevin Durant. Clay Thompson's going to miss this season. Now, he signed a new contract with them. But they're not the favorites in the Western Conference this year. But torn ACL. Yeah. No, that dynasty could could sign, suddenly start to break up, and uh, we may never may never reach that level again. So it's it's certainly going to be a, a different NBA uh, next year, and it, and it is it, it is something that is I think added intrigue to the league and excitement to the league, uh, but not necessarily if you're a fan of Oklahoma City. That that's been tough. I mean, you consider at one time they had Durant, Westbrook, and uh, James Harden, correct? Yes. I mean, those were the, the three guys in OKC. So, uh, listen, uh, we're going to wrap this up, but uh, on tomorrow's show, make sure you tune in because we're going to have uh, Times columnist Martin Fenley will be with us, and we'll also talk about the All-Star Game uh, and uh, what happens in, in that as we uh, take this podcast. It is uh, nearly wrapped up, but not quite, so we'll discuss that as well. And hey, folks, um, it is almost scallop season. Uh, well, it is scallop season, but it's, it runs through September 24th, so you still have some time to get up there to uh, Crystal River. And if you're interested in doing that, Call our, fa- uh, call our people at Captain Mike Swimming with the Manatees. Uh, you can go online at uh, swimmingwithmanatees.com. They've got all your needs up there. If you've got a, a group of six, you need some, some pontoon boats. they got all the equipment for you. Call them at 352-571-1888. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 